Welcome to the MTR Network. I am Mr. Joseph, and I am here with the rest of the Star Trek Discovery crew, and we are here to discuss the Star Trek short treks and the first two episodes of Star Trek Picard. Um, so, ladies first, Hiroja, what did you think of the short treks? I thought that it was a great way to do a backdoor pilot. <laughs> it was. It was the best way. I mean, Q&A, the trouble with Edward and Ask Not were, you know, kind of the Pike-centric part of the disco universe. And I thought that's a way to, you know, service your fans, kind of get some, you know, more like, hey, they really like Pike and show it to the, the bean counters that we can actually do a Pike show, which, according to rumors, is something that's actually being seriously considered. Good. Definitely good. It's something that I'm definitely looking forward to. Besides, they built these sets, actually used them. Yes, they did. Yeah, they did. And I'm like, oh. And um, I thought they were a little, and it looks like they were. All of these were shorter than last time around with the short treks. Yeah. And I don't know how much of an influence is going to be on, and there's officially three Star Trek shows that are going to come out um, in 2020, which is Picard, which is out now, uh, mm-hmm. the third season of Dis- uh, Discovery, and then Lore Decks. So we didn't know last time around when we talked about short treks, like what, what it means for the show. And then we soon found out as we watched the second season how much meaning, particularly like The Brightest Star and Runaway played into uh, the second season of uh, Discovery, but it'd be interesting to see how these shows, particularly, we know Children of Mars definitely influenced Picard, but I guess you could say for Disco, what this does for the, the third season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely going to be interesting because j- just looking at those three, I don't see how it could happen, but... Stranger things have happened in this universe, or maybe it's just uh, those three are just going to be the the backdoor pilot for the the new Enterprise. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I got the impression that this is really what they were all for. They were all in some way, you know, connected to something that they're going to do in the future. Like they were all backdoor pilots or all they all serve, you know, certainly the the children of Mars, you know, that was a direct connection to to Picard. Um, And I think, you know, they serve their purpose. I I I was sort of meh about these short treks. I and I think maybe part of it was that like I felt that the first season of short treks were super focused, mm-hmm. and it and that played out when we watched the second season. I just didn't feel the focus on these ones, and I, I think that took something away from it. I thought they. I agree with you. I felt they were kind of like showcases. Like definitely, Ethan yeah. and Dot are is definitely a showcase for the animation style. I guess they might. Be Right. For Lord Dex or the other unnamed um, Star Trek animation that they're they're thinking of doing or are doing, but we just don't know what it is. But I definitely want me, me a baby Targaryen to go with my baby Yoda. Yeah. Um, oh. <laughs> I okay. But so, I in go ahead. Oh, you sorry. Out. Yeah, you zeroed oh, out there no, for a second, no, so I thought ahead. you were. Okay. Um, I, I'm, 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 
I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. I am of two parts on the on this this past season of Short Treks. Like I really liked Q and A. I really did not like the trouble with Edward. Yeah, I loved um, All In. Um, Ephraim and Dot was nice. I especially liked that it was directed by Michael Giacchino, which is fun for me. Um, the girl who made the stars was wonderful. Uh, my daughter wanted to watch that twice after I showed it to her. So that was great. And, uh, children of Mars, that was a gut punch. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this, it was definitely a showcase of, of short tricks. It wasn't like anything like Calypso or the other ones from uh, season one. Yeah, it just. Go ahead. And I think you know maybe the problem is that I you know I sort of had that expectation going in, and sometimes the problem is you and not necessarily the product. Um, but I, I just expected it to be more focused. I expected to 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 I expected them to present things that I knew I was going to kind of speculate about the next season, and that just wasn't what they gave us. All right, valiant effort, but. You know, maybe a couple of episodes could have been a little bit longer. Maybe they could have rethought how they did the trouble with Edward because, oh, God, just thinking about that creeps me out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, eating troubles. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Is it Roger here? The... Roger, you still with us? She's typing. Okay. Oh, there she is. Okay, having trouble. So um, let's move on for the time being to the first two episodes of Picard. What'd you think? I loved them. Um, So I have to for the listeners um i have to put a an asterisk next to it so um the show doesn't have any training wheels <laughs> not at all yeah um it, it expects you to know things about star trek lore that like i i love star trek i am maybe like casually a trekkie like everyone who who knows me or has listened to me on the network knows that like Star Wars is my passion, um, right. and so I I sort of have more of a base knowledge of Star Wars than than I'll probably ever have a Star Trek. Although you know I I I've watched most of the series. Um, you know I have a a good working knowledge of of the mythology. Um, Picard just threw me all off. You know, I needed a moment to to sit down and think about it. And there were parts of it was like later on, I was like, I can't believe I didn't get that right away. And then there were parts of it that I had to go back and rewatch. Like I had to rewatch um uh the the JJ Abrams Star Trek. I today realized that I had never actually watched Nemesis. I would say that well, you know I, I, it was a movie. Yeah. <laughs> it was it existed. Yeah, it was a it was a Star Trek movie, you know. It had had it had characters from Star Trek on it, right? Yeah, it was. Uh, it's not was not a good movie to me. Yeah, it was it was a film. 
I tried. The the I thought the best funniest part to me was Picard and the Doom Buggy. That was it. <laughs> the rest of it was just terrible. Yeah. But yeah, um it did give a basis on Data's sacrifice and how B4 eventually failed. Mm-hmm. Because Data was one of a kind. Which, you know, we kind of figured that anyway, but it was nice to have the 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 what's the word I'm searching for? Have it spelled out for us. Yeah, the closure. If people missed it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but even the little things like the show starts off playing Blue Skies and because I had never apparently had never seen Nemesis, I didn't know that that was, you know, a thing in that movie. And so it was, it was interesting to say, oh, okay, they picked up, they literally picked up where Nemesis left off. Right. And kudos to them on the uh, makeup for Brent Spiner because that's a, they, they, they really made him look relatively data-ish again. Yeah, yeah. It looked like he hadn't aged at all. Right. Even though, it, okay, so episode one, um, well, what did, what were your your overall thoughts? My overall thoughts were my overall thoughts were a little muddled at first because you know Star Trek is is you know as, as Star Trek is to me as Star Wars is to you, um, and I'm used to Picard being a, a virtuous being, you know. Um, and to hear and what happened to hear what happened in season two, where his periodontal—that's uh, it—the periodontal lobe was basically failing, and it was going to kill him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that kind of threw me. Plus, all of the mood swings that he was having actually made sense now because you know his periodontal lobe is failing on him so he's gonna have his mood swings and kudos to star trek for dropping two f-bombs in the same episode well done (laughs) i also think that so maybe part of your reaction to it is like the same sort of visceral reaction people had to the last jedi where we had a certain expectation of who luke skywalker was Right, And the whole point of The Last Skywalker was to destroy your image of Luke Skywalker. And it's, it's basically never meet your heroes. Like, yeah. Rey was our, was our proxy where what would happen if you actually met Luke Skywalker? Well, of course he wouldn't meet your expectations. Right. You know, and I think there was a part of that that was, that was Picard. You know, he's gotten older and the 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 political winds didn't blow in his direction and of course he's not going to be happy about that especially if it compromises his personal beliefs in the value of life right yeah the um the vid- the 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 special that they did actually brought that home where you know the reporter was like you risk basically you risk the Federation to save Romulan lives, and Picard was like lives. Mm-hmm. You know, his Picard has always been a morally upstanding person, and watching what Starfleet has become now, which is 
not that anymore. Right. Was disheartening for me and I'm sure disheartening for him because that's when I think Starfleet, that's not what I think. I don't think we're going to turtle up and that's just going to be the end all be all of it. No. When I think of Starfleet, I think of we're explorers, we're going out, we're going to help people who need help. We're going to save those who need saved. And if we can't do that, then we're just going to we're going to have to, you know, get rid of anything that gets in the way of our doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's sort of been an uncomfortable theme with Star Trek going all the way back to Abrams. Like the I mean, well, actually, you could say it goes all the way back to DS9 when you know, the, with the introduction of Section 31 and the sort of the revelation that there's this war machine that sits, you know, comfortably underneath all of the high ideas of the, of, of the Federation and the way that um, the Abrams movie sort of brought that to the forefront kind of clumsily, in my opinion, but they they did it. And a little bit. Hmm? I said, yeah, they did it a little bit. You know, into, into Darkness, as much as I enjoyed that movie, was a little bit of a yeah it was unfocused it really should have focused i i think yeah into darkness and star trek beyond should have been should have been combined into one movie and they should have just you know stripped it down and made it a cohesive story i there it was it was really repetitive and and clumsy um but and i enjoy both of those movies um same but you know, I think Discovery picked it right back up with Section 31, you know, and the AI thing and and this just sort of this whole war machine that exists under the Federation. And while I I think there's a part of that that is that is right with the current times that we live in. I don't know that it's right for our like our our collective mood. I I I sort of agree with you. I, I sort of feel like, though I appreciate from a storytelling standpoint where Star Trek has gone, I, there's this, I think we, I think we need a dose of optimism. Yeah, definitely. In these trying times, we could use a little bit of, a little bit of good, a little bit of good. Just yeah, a little bit. Yes. Like right about now, like the, the idea that there's a utopian society where people pursue knowledge and and consensus i think would be maybe not it may not be what's good for us but i think there there needs to be a chunk of 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 contemporary society that like that that maintains our sanity i think it's good for our sanity right we can use a little hope yeah a new hope, if you will. <laughs> I hate. It. Sorry, can resist. I hate Star Wars fans. <laughs> God. But yeah, okay. So what I really enjoyed about okay, so like I've mentioned before, I play Star Trek Online not as much as I used to, but I I do play it, and what I like is they're starting to pull some things from Star Trek online, even though the base version of the game is set in uh, 2409, which is 10 years after what we're seeing now. But it's like, it's it, this series is kind of laying the seeds for what begins in Star, uh, in Star Trek online, which is very cool to me. 
Yeah, I think they said last year that that was intentional. Like they they really were doubling down on introducing the new the the pieces from this new new mythology into the game, which is like like you said, is really really cool. All right, and I was reading during the spare seconds I've had this week. Um, I was reading where this new update that they just kicked out that's uh, called Star Star Trek Online Legacy, and they brought in Sonequa Martin-Green and Jerry Ryan to voice their characters. Nice. I haven't started playing it yet because, again, it's been a week. But um, I do plan on giving it a start because I'm really interested in seeing what they do with it. Nice. Yeah. If I had if I had the attention span to to to, to manage that, I'd I'd definitely get into it. I just don't. I, I'll just be real. I don't. <laughs> That's okay. I barely have it myself. <laughs> so I get it. Um, so are we we're still waiting on uh Roja? Yeah. Uh, this this is not good. That's okay. We'll roll with it. Um and you said you have not read any of the ancillary material, right? Any of the 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 books or the comics or anything like that? No, I again I am I've been sucked down the Star Wars rabbit hole for like three months now and it's it's getting ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> just it's getting ridiculous. Well, a while ago, Amazon had a sale on some of the on some of the books. So I went in and bought some of the books. Don't be me. Just don't don't be me. <laughs> they were not good. No, they're what they're all really good. <laughs> they're all no. good. The Star Wars books. Yes. Okay, so I need to do the Star Wars books because the Star Trek books are not good. Yeah, they're all and they're all canon because I know that you know Star Trek books are sort of they're not canon canon. They just kind of build off of the canon. Right. Um, Sort of in the way that the as much as people hate to admit this, sort of in the way that the, the old Star Wars books were like, mm-hmm. yeah. So, but the 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 new the way that um, Lucasfilm has has rebooted the the continuity, everything you read from um, from the comics to the books is that that's all canon, and so you he, you read things and they 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 speak directly to like what you see in the movies or what you see like in the, in the Mandalorian, uh, they pick up from things that you've seen in uh, the clone wars or from um, rebels. And it's just, it's really good. Like if you are a nerd about continuity, it's really good. All right. Well, I read the, I started reading the first, I want to say it was the first book. Okay. So if you remember from the uh, beginning of season two, they no one had heard head or tail from the enterprise since the war mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. um burnham hadn't seen spock since childhood pike hadn't seen Giorgio in god knows how long well in the first book i read there the the sinjo and the enterprise are on a mission together hmm Spock and Burnham beam down to some sort of a spaceship together. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, all right, I'm done. I can't do this. This is, this is not good. Yeah. Cause that, okay. Hmm. That just flew directly in the face of everything that was on the, um, on the show. Yeah. That, like that can, can, yeah. Hmm. Wow. Okay. 
And it's like, I want to call it a mirror universe version, but I can't do that because that doesn't make sense. Right. Because the mirror universe is a part of, yeah, none of this makes sense. Yeah. So it's just, I I couldn't do it. Um, so I didn't finish it. I started on the Enterprise War. That's another one. I Because I like Pike and I like the Enterprise. So I'm going to try to burrow through that one. Uh it brings up stuff that happened in the first one. So I'm kind of familiar with it, familiarly enough with it so that it's not a burden, mm-hmm. but not that I just was not thrilled, not thrilled at all. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I wish they would have worked together closer. Yeah. Like Star Wars does. Yeah. Well, then you have, then you're going to get the complaints and yeah. Well, we're going to get complaints anyway. That's just the way it goes. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, now, I also did read where Alan Dean Foster, who wrote the novelizations of, I think, I know the first two in the Kelvin vs. Star Trek movies. Okay. He's writing another novel based in that universe. Ooh, nice. Now, I would pick yeah. that up because it's, yeah. it's, 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 um, it's a slate that they... Mm, well, I'll take that back because Picard might actually touch the Kelvin universe in some way, shape, or form. I don't think they can, though, if you think about it. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's kind of hard. You got to bring How? Because you can't bring old Spock back. No, no, you can't. I mean, just the mere fact that, like, and it it took me a while to to put this together, but, like, the the events that that create Picard are the same events that created the Kelvin universe. You know, that you don't, you don't really do that for no reason. Like most stories don't put those nuggets in there for no reason. True. I mean, I would not complain because, you know, like some quote unquote purists, I enjoyed the Kelvin verse. I thought it was fun. Yeah. Um, I think the strongest one again was the was the 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 Star Trek, um, the original Star Trek reboot. All right, and I love that one because it is um, it is a study in 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 James T. Kirk. And the question was, you know, what would he become if he didn't have the massive amount of privilege he had? Right. And I just I I still adore that breakdown of of Kirk. Yeah, because let's face it, he needed it. Mm-hmm. Because the Kirk we saw in the original series was basically Maverick. He's a dick. Yeah. So I enjoyed watching those three movies in the Kelvin universe, which knocked him down a peg and then built him right back up to something better. Mm-hmm. And the core is the core of his character remained the same. Like he is that you know that dashing heroic person. Um, that is the core of his character. Um, uh, you know, above, above and beyond everything else. And I think that's the important part to establish about Kirk. But there is always that part about how he cheated his way through life, <laughs> and, he was yeah. in, and he was enabled to do that because his father was a respected person in Starfleet and was a politician. <laughs> Right. So yeah, he had his privilege in the Prime Universe, but in the Kelvin Universe, he did not. Mm-hmm. So it was good to see what we got. Yeah, absolutely. I I will I will always swear by that movie. That movie is great. 
Yep. And if In the Darkness could have been a little bit better, they could have just done something a little bit different yeah. instead of the the beginning of Khan. Um, who really had no purpose we, in that movie. No, he did not. You know, it was really about Section 31. Right. Okay. So, uh, plot points. Okay. Do so. How do we want to cover that? Because there's a lot going on here. Um, bring them up as they go. <laughs> okay. So we start off with the um, with the the supernova mm-hmm. that killed Romulus. Right. Okay. Um. So again, because I'm a little slow, it took me a while to realize. That that was the that was the um, that was the event that set uh, the 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 JJ Abrams Star Trek into motion. Okay, because um, Spock used the red matter to keep the supernova from from destroying a bunch of planets. Unfortunately, he was too late. It destroyed Romulus. He cr- he used the red matter to create basically the time warp that pushed him and Nero to the Kelvin universe, and they. Mm-hmm. And and so the, the the question was why was Spock alone? You know why wasn't he supported by the Federation? Well, now we have the answer, right? Like Mars was under attack. Yep, Mars was under attack, and the Federation are racist. Yeah, uh, yeah. they're being dicks. <laughs> yeah, and and they were sort of they sort of what is the word they sort of they sort of passively supported genocide yeah pretty much okay hold that thought okay i think you guys made an excellent point about you know picard being this virtuous person and representative of the federation and how abrams kind of touched the underlying um military aspects but not as well and they're just going full board with these first two episodes but I think as an audience, we kind of forget because time has passed. Um, like, I can almost understand, even though what they did was basically genocide, I can almost kind of understand the Federation perspective. Like, there's a significant amount of underlying trauma going on with the Federation. Oh, sure, yeah. sure. Like, first off, like, when we last really left this part of the galaxy, because Voyager was in the Delta Quadrant, they just got nearly annihilated by the Dominion, which invaded a member nation, the Beta Zed. Uh, Before that, you know, you had the Borg incursions. And now you have to pick up the, the pieces of your alliances and everything and rebuild all the ships you lost during the Dominion War. And then you have this other issue. And uh, it could be like, fuck, another thing. No, that's right. a very good point. That's a very good point. It's like, yeah, you're like, you're Superman, but you can't, you can't save everybody. And, and, and you know, it's, again, what they what uh, the admiral kept bringing up was that they were they were enemies. They were, you know, they weren't a part of the federation in that way. I mean, uh-huh. um, you know, when we last left Picard and um, 
Riker, you know, Riker went off to establish, I think, normalized relations with the Romulans and with the implied sort of the implication being that eventually they would join the Federation. Um, But yeah, I mean, those are all good points. Those are all very good points. And then we get the hint that maybe some of the member worlds, like up to 14, were going to leave. And so you're going to have a breakage. And then you still have to deal with the fact that there's probably Cardassian refugees. Mm-hmm. There's the whole cleanup of uh, that area, repairing whatever colonies and worlds that were affected by the Dominion War. Uh, and just war cleanup in general for space. I mean, they did that one weird episode in STNG, which was kind of like, I guess, an environmental one about oil, about the warp driving you can't just keep going at a certain level of warp because it's affecting worlds mm-hmm. god knows what those spaceships that got imploded and exploded and shattered all across space what that space debris pickup is and the romian senate like got annihilated in in nemesis so it's not even a stable rival world uh empire really and they've always been kind of like little sneaky backstabbing bastard so (laughs) I'm going all the way back which I think with with the hinting and I can't pronounce the what the real like bad guy within the Tal Shiar is and why they don't like AIs I think because of Enterprise they might be hinting all the way back to like when Vulcan broke up and that's where the Romulans came from Uh um Maybe we're going to find out the real truth about the whole why they got because we don't know what the real canon is now because they've told so many different stories about the breakup of Vulcan and Romulus. The only thing we know that's in canon is true is we saw Surak's perspective of when they nuked themselves just like Earth did in the world in the World War Three that we never really talk about on Star Trek. Um. So there's there's a lot of trauma and animosity, and I think people forget that Romulans were slavers. <laughs> so not only being sneaky bastards and the enemy, and also I think what was it Enterprise was like kind of, or maybe was it TOS that hinted the reason why the Federation f- formed was to combat the Romulans. I believe so. Like they, they were, I, I believe if they're if I recall the correctly, like, yeah, the Romulans, Romulans were, like, the immediate threat. Because a lot of mm-hmm. the technology the Klingons got, like, yeah. technology they got from the Romulans. Mm-hmm. So, there's a lot going on there, but at the same time, I understand Picard, like, you can't condemn entire species. And if you read the Countdown books, this is how much of bastards they were like they only wanted to save themselves they didn't want to save any of the people that were part of their empire that they had conquered and enslaved and that was a problem and McCart tried to solve that problem and then Mars blew up okay that's a nice little bit of context there and that's where um, I can't say their names but that's where his two household the mates that he has the Romulan uh, Talshiar spies came to be like his friends and, and come live with him as refugees so there's a lot going on here where it's very gray and is like ah, ah. isn't that bringing me back to the whole thing of like my my one critique of the show is that mm-hmm. um, I so a friend of mine asked me 
um, if I had watched the show. And I was like, yeah. And she said, well, I'm thinking about catching, you know, ca- catching the first episode tonight. And I was like, all right, I just got to I got to tell you, the show has no training wheels. Uh huh. You know, um, and so the, the, I just think, yeah, it just it just dives deep in and, and it. It doesn't give you a whole lot of context and then you end up where we are, which is like we're discussing among ourselves and putting the pieces together because there, it doesn't really give you a whole lot to work with in the beginning. No, it doesn't. And it, you kind of, you can be like a new person and just go along with Picard's perspective of figuring out like a Dixon Hill mystery here because it's very much like a whodunit kind of a deal here that he's trying to do with the whole uh, synth stuff. But if you're like an encyclopedia knowledge trekkie like myself, there's like a whole couple different layers going on here with this show that makes it very fascinating. And I wonder what it is they're they're going to do with it. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what the right. I mean, there's yeah, there's a lot going on here that, and I'm not sure in a good way. I'm not sure where they're going with it. Um, but it's just, it was really, really jarring to me because, you know, I, like I was telling Joseph, I, I don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of Star Trek. I have a good working knowledge of Star Trek. And so I thought that I could get in and somewhat understand. no, no, I needed, I needed a few days to let this whole thing process and started, I started reading some of the articles that was written about it. Um, you sent me the IGN article with some of the Easter eggs and. Mm-hmm. I started rewatching things and, and it was just, it was a lot. And these are things that I like to do. It was just, I think we're running up when a strat, probably a strategy for CBS. And I don't think it's a wrong strategy, but I'm sort of now in the, in the mindset that all of these Star Trek shows aren't going to be for everybody. Right. Discovery, no. Discovery is a great show for someone who casually knows Star Trek as like a pop culture phenomenon because you can jump into that and yeah, it's it's an offshoot of the Kirk era, you know, the early Kirk era or whatever. And you can kind of piece those things together as you go along. But it does a very good job of creating a, a because it has to, creating a contained narrative that you can jump into. That is not Picard. No, Picard, you need to know exactly what you're getting into. You can't just, you know, half-ass it. You got to be all in. And I think that's a that's a good thing, you know. Yeah, definitely. It is a good thing, and they've kind of talked about it in the media when talking about Picard. But basically, we're seeing this year, twenty twenty, the birth of the Star Trek universe. That they are catering to the different fans, but also acknowledging that there are new fans on board as well, and they're they're kind of customizing it, if you will, these different shows for a broad enough audience, but also like, hey, if you've been here from TNG or TOS or, or whatever, when you jump into Picard, we've got you. If you're new here, you can, you can come along with a journey. We will make sure that you can enjoy it as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, also the other thing I think, uh, when you guys were talking about the books, um, you know, everybody's merged now the movie side and the television side is merged under one. Thank God for that. So you're not going to see the books being the way they are, or even you're now starting to see stuff happening with that Star Trek online game because it was kind of stagnant for a little bit. I mean, they did some 
here and there things, but the last almost year and a half, it's been like upgrade after after upgrade after upgrade with discovery with you know a seven and nines character coming in and uh michael burnham coming in and stuff like that that you're gonna see a, a better much stronger cohesiveness and so so do you i th- yeah go ahead do you think they're gonna do what star wars did which is basically a hard reset and then i th- think they are doing a hard reset like they're leaning more on the film and television side versus like the overall like comic books and canon overall and just they're going to do like a hard reset where like you can still enjoy those stuff we're going to still sell those books to you but from here on at when you see this particular logo you're going to know that yes this is actually officially canon Mm -hmm. right and and it's going to be part of the star trek universe i personally think that that was the best thing that star wars did yeah um and and yeah now that you know if it seems like they're gonna do that in star trek i might start reading some star trek books yeah i don't i think the first book that is actually like the star trek universe is a disco book that deals with dr colber and um what's the engineer's name that he's married to damn it damn it's their love like how they fell in love that i think that is the first book that does that. Okay, I'm sold. But the books before that weren't quite so. I'm sold. Uh, already sold. Yeah. And so it's just, oh. And then you have the whole data thing that kind of breaks your heart. Because I was hoping that he would come back in some fashion with before, but nope. <laughs> but he did. Like, theoretically, technically, he did. Because that. Did he? Because I'm. Thinking like with the Robins being involved, I'm thinking more. Not that I mean, he didn't come back himself, but no, he established that. I mean, this came right from like picked up right where Nemesis left off. You know, mm-hmm. he called a part of his his consciousness into before, and they used that. They cloned it from a small piece of that and created his daughters. True, but did they? Because how did they make the Simps? Because the Simps. Like from that, the first opening of Maps and Legends, kind of seemed like the stiff data from season one uh-huh. when he wasn't quite getting stuff, but also very robotic. Like it was like, what's the best way? Like people say they have AIs now, right? With the whole like chat bots or whatever, kind of AI ish, but it's not a real AI. It's still kind of a robot. And that's what the sense. Go ahead. Those are super dumb. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's what it seemed like the synth was. It was like not quite dumb dumb, but not an not a, a not an Android really. Mm-hmm. And something happened. Some switch flipped off. We saw the switch flip off. I was like, oh no, they're going to kill a robot. Oh no. I was really hoping that maybe the synths weren't responsible for the Mars destruction. But no, they were, and they killed themselves. Mm-hmm. They self-destructed. I was like, that's a great way to clean up the job. Yep. And the only thing that really irritated me with the first opening was like, as soon as he was doing his thing and killed the first guy, why didn't you guys run out of the room? (laughs) Why did you go after the killer robot? Did no one... Did they not do... Programs? (laughs) Because science makes me... Yeah. 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 But uh, I'm hoping that 
that Bruce Maddox, when they go off and search for that person, that he had, I think he was a pure heart and mind when he created the, the daughters. But I'm hoping that he did it. It seems like he did it from data and there's evil brother is not involved. That's all I hope. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can see that. I can see that. But then, then, I mean, these shows, what I've loved is the writing and how they subvert expectations. Like, Mm -hmm. it wouldn't surprise me to see Laura again. No, it wouldn't surprise me to see Laura again. And it would surprise me if some of the things that Picard has done, like with, uh, we know from press and all that, that he was coming back, that maybe even some some of the actions that Voyager has done in the Delta Quadrant, with the Borg is the reason why that Borg cube is there. I mean, did it get caught in the supernova wave or was something else going on? Yes, that's my <laughs> that's the part that I'm most confused about. Like what yes. what what are they do how did the how did the Borg cube get there? What are they doing? Like I mean, yeah. clearly they're re- reverse engineering Borg technology. But what yes. is the what, well, end well for them. No. No. What is the end goal there in in how could I mean they and they sort of they talked about this in the second episode, but I think it was more speculation than anything else. Like, what did that board cube know about Voyager? Yeah, because from the from the history of the television shows, we know from Hugh, who became self aware and then had lore interventions, it helped some self aware Borgs here. You had Seven Nine that broke away. They had like the whole Unimatrix storyline where there was some Borg that were able to eventually break away. Then you had a, an Admiral Janeway that went back in time and screwed up the timeline to make sure the Voyager got there earlier and came back with a Borg virus that was supposed to disconnect the Borg Queen mm-hmm. and the Borg stuff. So like, is the Borg Queen part of the collective now or did they reboot the Borg Queen what things have the Federation done to the Borg to attack it that has caused that cube to be there? Like, what are the ramifications of that? And and and, and the other question, like the the when we get back to the morality of the Federation, like technically Janeway committed genocide. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know they are people from seven and nine. She was like assimilated as a child and then accelerated, you know, bio, biologically biologically to be a Borg drone and stuff, but she had no choice in being part of the collective. She was basically a slave and they have encountered free Borg. They've helped people be free Borg. So you've basically killed a bunch of innocent people. The only person that might not be so innocent is the Borg queen. Uh, You know, so we talked about this during Discovery, the Mm -hmm. mass effectification of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and it's again. This is not. None of these things are critiques. They're they're. I'm in. I'm thoroughly enjoying this. But Star Trek is becoming Mass Effect, and it's like Mass Effect was an attempt to be Star Trek, and it's like it's yeah. this feedback loop now. I, I just, it makes me excited, because the whole like the 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 Mass Effect trilogy was all about AI. Right. Mm-hmm. It was all about creating. It, it, there was a species that was created that, you basically, because of a war between AI and and biologicals, and it decided that the solution was that it was going to wipe out everything in the galaxy mm-hmm. to prevent AI yeah. from coming about. 
Yeah, and is that what the Romulans are doing? Right. That one Romulan group? Wouldn't Did they experience something terrible with AIs and they will wipe out anybody who does anything all the time just to make sure? That, which is a Battlestar Galactica freaking <laughs> storyline there. Right. It's just, yeah. Oh my God. This is, this is, this is, yeah, this is where I like to be. <laughs> this is so good. They're pulling a lot of good stuff from all sci fi and putting it under the Star Trek banner. Mm-hmm. I cannot wait to see where they where they go with this. This is just this is this is this is the Star Trek Renaissance that we deserve. But it's it's it and it goes it goes even deeper than that. It's like it's science fiction like in general. Um, mm-hmm. You're seeing like these these feed like these feedback loops up here, and like franchises are feeding off a of franchise. It's just I don't understand how you could be unhappy in this day and age. Like, oh god, the greatest time to be alive. <laughs> it is, it is. Oh, and don't look, listeners of this show, don't listen to the haters. There are a tremendous amount of people that love the, the Star Trek shows. Uh, I believe because of Picard, CBS Access has even jumped more in subscriberships, especially with the pairing with Amazon. Um, I think it's at 5 million subscribers plus. Uh, Picard, you know, we haven't even gotten to it. Picard got renewed to season two before even the show it, even that's aired. That's a great time. That's- yeah. Uh, season four, Disco, same thing. Yeah. Season three is not even, I don't think they even are done quite yet. I think. Not, not at all. I love, yeah. I love the arrogance. Yeah. I love it when they, I love it when studios do that. I love mm-hmm. the arrogance. Like when and, the Mandalorian yeah. came out, it was already renewed for a second season. Yeah, like yeah, <laughs> I love it. And they're they they seem to be putting a lot of the work in their social media stuff. Like right now on the actual StarTrek.com site, they open it up for the fans, to, which is something that Star Trek has done in the past with like script writing. They had that whole script writing program that they had going on there for a very long time. Where if you are a fan, because Star Trek people are known to be writing like fictions and articles about Star Trek all the time, you can contribute directly to the web to the website, and they will go. They have themes, and if you write, you know, within the theme, and you're good enough, they will publish it and they will promote you. Wow! Hey, what a time to be alive! I just I just <laughs> keep saying that over and over again. What a time to be alive! It's, it's Wait, so much please. going on. And it speaks also to the new generation with like the cartoons that they're doing with Nickelodeon. There's one that's coming out this year and one coming out next year. So they're and they're supposed to come out with a new. I know they have the VR game that's out for uh, Discovery, where you can feel like you're beaming, actually beaming down to a planet somewhere and you're exploring. Oh wow! And then there's an, another game that's supposed to come out. I mean, they're they're attacking all fronts to all different types of fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only problem I have, and I don't know if this has to do with their join up with Amazon, is if you're a Linux user like myself, you can't watch, uh, or a Ruka user, which is based off of Linux, if you use that service, you can't watch Star Trek Picard. They've kicked you out. Wow. (laughs) I don't know why. It's a package thing where they have blocked Linux users for some reason. Wow. And I think it has to do with Ruku, which is a, a rival of the Fire Stick. 
I, that's my conspiracy part of me, but I just know if you're a Linux user, you 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 can't watch Star Trek Picard. You have to actually, if you are on Linux, you would have to use a CBS Access subscription through Amazon Prime to watch it on there. See, this is where I go back and say I'm old because I can. <laughs> yeah. I, I came up with yeah. Linux so long ago, like it was. Oh. <laughs> Oh, I, I'm sorry. I gave up on Windows a very long time ago, and I I can't go back. Yeah. No, I I appreciate it, and I I my hat is off to you. I I just got to the point because most of my work, you know, mm-hmm. my education and work was like related to Linux. I just got tired of it. I mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> see. I can use them all. I had to learn Linux in school. Nah. I've been mm-hmm. all my life. Uh, when I worked for the school board, I used to deal with Apple. Okay. Uh, um, and Chromebooks, which is an offshoot of Linux, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I get to deal with all of it. Is I, I can't escape it. It's just everywhere. <laughs> I wish I could escape Windows, but that's the operating system my mother uses, and I'm the maintainer of technology. Mm. But goddamn, Windows 10 is terrible. Oh, it's a thing. But it's a thing. Yeah, it is a, thing. a thing. But. You know, just overall in general, it's they are servicing the fans. I, I don't I understand why the hate is because people just want to hate, but it's a very joyful experience. People are having great conversations, at least through my Twitter line, the way I have my Twitter feed. People are creating artwork. Everyone wants a baby Targaryen. Uh, there's there's so much going on right now, and it's just uh, yeah, it's it's just just. Across franchises, it's just what a time. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for all of the Star Wars fans to just like the people who claim to be Star Wars fans to just go back under the rocks that they came from because mm-hmm. there, I there's no better time to be a Star Wars fan than right now. Star Wars and Star Trek, yeah, there is no better there's time. No better You're time. being so so much service and such quality work that is getting Emmy nominations. Like, I would not be surprised if finally Sir Patrick Stewart got an Emmy nomination for playing this character. Yeah. I could see. it is long overdue. I could it's way long overdue. And people have said this a few times, like with Deep Space definitely definitely Deep Space Nine, but uh definitely next generation. If those shows had been initially created now in the time climate that we are in, they definitely would have gotten actor nominations from special guests to to the main character. Oh especially right. Deep Space Nine. Because Deep Space, Especially Deep Space, Deep Space Nine. Nine was, I hate to, uh, this is such a reductive uh, a statement, but Deep Space Nine was when Star Trek grew up, uh, grew up for me. I, mm-hmm. It was a serious, serious show. Um, and yeah, I, until Discovery came out, I really think that for me that was the high water mark for Star Wars. I mean, for Star for Star Trek. Yeah, and. If you like for people that are screenwriters, like do screenwriting for a living, it's kind of like bands where there's like that band that never really hugely broke, but was popular. But other bands always refer to that particular band. Yeah. Deep Space Nine is like screenwriters refer to Deep Space Nine as one of those like the in the same breath as The Wire and Sopranos as of changing things, of serializing television and making it great. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing the benefits of that. Yeah. And other, somewhere we're complaining about serialization. You know how they like to the, the, the old format of the standard episode 
beginning, mm-hmm. beginning, beginning, middle, end, where with no growth or change in between, or mm-hmm. very incremental growth or change in between. I like serialization. I like the fact that something builds. You know, you get this one overarching story, and they're telling it in fragments, which is good because you get to see the gr- actual growth as the show progresses. You get to see the characters grow. You get to see the characters change. You get to see the environments change, of course. You get to see what you see at the end of a season should be drastically different than what you see at the beginning. And I think that there's that we've evolved to that, like the, the way in which people do it. You know, I think that the knock on serial, serialization was that it just was done really, really poorly. I think a lot of that came from we only had three three television stations that created, you know, original content. And right. we had to endure like because, I mean, we, we all talk about it. DS9 is a brilliant show. The first two seasons are a slog. Right. Um, and that was sort of the way that these shows kind of went. I think I think that, for instance, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. will never get the uh, the acclaim that it deserves. No matter how much acclaim it gets, it'll never get the acclaim it deserves for the way that they structured these stories and the way that they played with your expectations and the way that they evolved um, characters and storylines in the direction that you're expecting, but not in the way that you expect and not at the pace that you expect. Um, and I think a lot of shows have picked up on that. Certainly Discovery has picked up on that. Like they were, their, their execution is amazing. I mean, who would have thought we would have a Captain Saru from the first season? And that he is a dramatically different person than he was in the first season. Yes. Even before he, like, officially evolved, there were still, like, hints of him being a Captain Saru. Right. And then just... And... Go. Go ahead. No, sorry. No, I mean, or even Tilly, which we recalled the 53%. And is you have to give like whatever she's supposed to get from solving that problem from you know drinking game deal. You need to give Tilly all her things because she saved everyone's butt. But we weren't thinking that we weren't feeling her in that first season. And it's like it's that ages of shield moment when mm-hmm. when they all create they became a, a, a cohesive unit. Um, and I think it, it's Chris and Deepalm that said the minute they jumped out of the airplane, um, that was the point when the team became a team. And then everything from that point stripped away from that. And you had that emotional investment of this was this this has become a family. These these people have been battle tested and they're a cohesive unit. And so when you take um uh God damn it, I'm having a uh, a senior moment right now. Grant Dalton's character, Grant Ward. Oh, Grant Ward! When you take Ward and you and you heel turn him. You know that there was an emotional investment at that point, and it all made sense why they took their time about building this cohesion there. And it was the same thing with Discovery. Like by the time they started focusing on the the entire team and not just Burnham, like in the second season, you had that emotional investment because they had gone through all of this with a captain who was a tyrant. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you could pluck Burnham out, and you would still have a compelling story because these characters were now a cohesive unit, and you have an investment in that relationship. 
not only a cohesive new unit, but a unit that was like, yeah, let's go to the future. Sounds like a sounds like a plan. Yeah, let's do it. Why not? Let's do it. Why not? Yeah. I mean, went to the future and left everything behind. Mm-hmm. Left maybe kids, family, whatever potential ambitions they had. Yeah, let, let's go to the future. Yeah. And they're not going back. Nope. And they're not coming back. That's official. They're not coming back. Which again, brilliant story writing because the, the people complained. Oh, well, you're just shoving a, a ship in into a pre-established timeline. Yeah, but there was a point, you jackass. Trust the process. It's like the people that complained about the tech looking so good. I'm like, <gasps> you know. And on top of that, of course, the tech looks good because we're dealing with new technology ourselves say that Star Trek wouldn't look the way it does now if they had to take then that we have now. Yes, but most importantly, like, the show TOS that inspired the technology that they're making the show with. Right. Like, we all walk around with, you know, when we got our flip phones, how many of us pretended to be either her or our Captain Kirk flipping their flipping their phones? Oh, that totally wasn't me. I, I, it wasn't me at all. Not at oh, all. Wow. <laughs> never okay. did I ever do that, okay? Never. Then they, they didn't download the not authorized little chirp. Nope. That, yep, that little, wasn't me. Either. Nope. Okay. Never did that. Okay. Not, not right. once, I swear. Nope. He said all of this. Meanwhile, his nose is growing. <laughs> Eventually, he's going to knock his microphone off of his stand. Yeah, yeah. I, I've never used a flashlight to uh, in, uh, to in, uh, intimate. Uh, in, to I never used a flashlight to pretend and pretended it was a lightsaber either. Never. Not mm-hmm. Who never was in the conference room when they're you're all gathered around for the conference and there's someone coming chiping in on video and you turn to the person and say, "Okay, Mr. Warf, you screen." Anything go on that one? Okay, we are all living because kid people who were kids watching TOS thought of themselves and saw themselves on the screen or thought I can do this I want to do this I want to live in that future and came up with all these different types of concepts and ideas that have made this show even better but a show that is built off of that technology I mean everyone in this in everyone listening everyone in basically in the world has two reminders of where Star Trek came from we have a cell phone Mm-hmm. And we have a big screen TV. Yep. Yeah. Neither of which would even existed if Star Trek didn't exist. Did not exist. And mind you, like those sci-fi concepts have been around, but Star Trek made them a thing. Right. And speaking of like inspirations, like I don't know if you guys saw that. I don't watch The View, but they do get me with the clips. But I saw that Sir Patrick Stewart uh, and Whoopi Goldberg. Oh my God, I was crying. Ooh, that, that was beautiful. And she has said it repeatedly, like even on The View, I've seen those clips and her talking like every time is brought up. She's like, it was the best time that she's ever done it. Mind you, she's an Oscar winner. I believe she's been, she had, she is an EGOT. And she refers to Star Trek as one of the best jobs she's ever had, the best time she's ever had. And she said the reasons why she was on there and, you know, 
the 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 camaraderie and the the purpose of seeing um uh nicholas um uh, why am i blanking her in her name her, her is real name um seeing her on the screen inspiring her to want to be an actress and being yes and and being on that show and being like she said i think during that time um during that clip that she was like one of the last characters that gene ronberry created and you know it's just those type of deals those type of things that so many people have been inspired whether we see them or know it but we we kind of feel the the wake of the things they have done because of this show to even from freaking politicians you know mm-hmm. All right. You may not like um, what's that girl from New York AOC, but she she cites Captain Janeway all the time as an inspiration, mm-hmm. and she's not the only one. All of this talk about the Borg and stuff, I I feel like I'm about to start a binge of uh, Voyager, and I'm, I got enough stuff on my plate, but I feel like I'm about <laughs> to start watching Voyager again. <laughs> I, I started watching Voyager a little bit before, like, the key episodes, and I'm like, oh, I kind of want to go back to the beginning, but that, just like Deep Space Nine, those first two seasons of Voyager were rough. Yeah, it's a slog. It's a slog. And, which comes back to the whole people like Gene Roddenberry vision thing. I think people forget there's, like, four different versions of Star Trek. There's Gene Roddenberry's version. There's that trash-ass producer Rick Berman's version. There's J.J. Abrams. And now we're in this very much new version that has learned the lessons from the first three. Um, the Kurtzman version, if you will. Mm-hmm. And it's basically become, I don't know, Voltron or freaking Wolverine here. Can heal and kick ass and take names and is doing all the things. Yeah, like I said, what a time to be alive, and and I, and and you know, like I said, I I just wanted to make sure I made the point that because I've said to people, it, the show doesn't have training wheels. You're not gonna you you can't be a casual viewer and jump in at the at least at this point and expect to know everything that's going on. It's just not that type of show. But I wanted to circle back and make the point that. I think they're going in the right direction with the franchise because not every show needs to be for everyone. And I right. think that's a brilliant decision. They're not scared. They've demonstrated absolutely no fear with this show. You hit the nail on the head when you said not everything is for everyone. And I wish, I wish, I wish, I would really wish more people would understand mm-hmm. that. Not, not everything has to be based down to one. You know, there are some things that you're gonna miss. Like, the MCU, for example, you can't just, for as an example, you can't just jump into Endgame after just watching Iron Man one. That makes no sense. But you can carve Endgame. a path out of a limited set of movies that'll lead you to Endgame. Yeah, but still, you have to actually watch those movies too. Yep. Same with Picard. Mm-hmm. You you can do it. You're gonna be lost. But it helps if you have the base knowledge beforehand, mm-hmm. including that of Nemesis, to which I say I am very, very sorry. <laughs> yeah, it was a film. But hey, if you want to see a very young, still very hot, early Tom Hardy to stare at, there's that bonus for you. Ooh, I, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. He had no purpose in that movie, and he's the villain. <laughs> He was the villain, and he had no purpose, but he was gorgeous. Yeah, yeah he's a handsome guy. I just, I, 
like they could have wrote they could have written that entire movie without him and that's a problem yeah, <laughs> yeah that is a problem yeah that is a problem and uh i don't even know if there's anything more to say i think we pretty much cover it um <sighs> so one of the things i am i because i've said it repeatedly is um I was hoping that we would give people who who weren't as versed in mythology sort of some nuggets that they could walk away from. Do we feel like we got we got there? I know we were all over the place for a moment. Um, I think if you treat the card like a mystery show, you will you will find stuff here because it's very much like a who done it type of a mystery and if you focus on that and they do emphasize it very strongly you can follow along because you're seeing everything from picard's perspective Uh now we as trekkies know some background stuff but some of that is not stuff that even picard on the surface is aware of or knows about so you are really from his perspective on everything and you're following him along as he is trying to solve the mystery of Dodge and Zoja and Bruce Maddox and what ha- what has happened to his friend, you know, Data. Like, what is being done with his neurons? All right. Yep. Yeah, now, yeah, we talked about Nemesis. We talked about the, the weird, like, connection between the show and the Abrams, the, the Kelvin universe. Which it took me a while. Like that literally, I was at the grocery store and it hit me like a bolt of lightning. And I said, God damn it. And if you've watched the Kelvin movies and that's what got you into Star Trek, basically what happened is I, I'm going to borrow from the MCU when Hulk was on the rooftop with what's her face? The ancient one. The ancient one, and she draws out the timeline and explains how going back in time what happens in the bull branches. Well, we're on the main timeline, right. and the the what is called the Kelvin universe is a branch. Yep. When Spock went back, it's just a little branch off, and that's why things exist. It didn't erase anything. It didn't remove anything. We're just in one version of the universe, right? And they're in another. But I thought that that was so neat. I that. That was just, that meant a lot to me. Mm-hmm. And they cleaned things up. It, like you said, they explained why Spock was alone. That was like a big deal. It was like, why did the Federation come and help the Romulans? And another thing is, how come not all the Romulans got out? If they, Like a supernova, don't you get a heads yeah, up? That's significant. That's, that, they're going to have to explain that. Like, I realize they needed ships, and there's probably billions of people. They always, in Star Trek, they always undersell the numbers. <laughs> they always do. Like, oh, 900 million. There's a couple billion people. Come on. It's like when people talk about World War II, and it, it's important they do mention 6 million Jewish people died. Mm-hmm. But it was like 40 million people died in World mm-hmm. War II. There was a lot of death. <laughs> There was a lot of death in that war, and it was a world war. It was all over the place. It's not World War One where it was just basically basically in Europe. It was exactly. everywhere. Mm-hmm. It was everywhere, and they're gonna have to explain to me like why didn't the Rom- all the Romans uh, evacuate completely? Because not even the comic books explain that firmly. They explain why they chuck some certain species. 
off the list, but not the like I guess you could say Rami and Popper. Yeah. And why weren't they prepared enough to handle something like that? You know, you would think that the center mm-hmm. of the center of an empire would have a contingency plan of some form. Mm-hmm. Some sort. And I do have to give my hat 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 off to like the production quality and the makeup for the the aliens is so much better than previous series. So much better. They look just so great. They look real. They look like they're an actual um, an actual alien and not somebody in makeup. Mm-hmm. And I do have to say, like, I don't know if anyone else noticed this, but the guy that was the Romulan that was announcing to in Maps and Legends, announcing to the workers in the, the Borg Cube, did anyone get any, like, um, Fury Road, Max, Mad Max vibes from that dude? His look and his the way he announces stuff, he, I don't know. He he reminded me from Thunderdome, <laughs> like the midget that was uh, uh, announcing the f- two go in, one comes yeah, out. Yeah, I know. What you're <laughs> I know what you're talking. About. Yeah. Um, the fight choreography was great. You know, one of the things I liked about Discovery, and it looks like it's carried over to Picard, is that um, you know Star Trek fights have always been kind of eh, eh, kind of cheesy they fighting they fighting fighting in these shows now and that part with the uh the 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 um i guess they were the romulan secret police where they just kicking Mm -hmm. ass and beaming away dude i did not know i needed that until i saw that i was like yeah why don't you beam away in a fight why don't you beam it in and out in and out like kung fu style yeah (laughs) why wouldn't you use Teleportation yeah. as a as a as an a weapon. Yeah. Well, that was weapon. I always thought, like, why haven't they used teleportation as a weapon? Maybe it's prohibited, but people use prohibited weapons anyways. Because I always think of the original Star Trek motion picture, the transporter accident, mm. which gave me nightmares. Yeah. Like, I'd be like, why? Why don't they use that to take out Jim and Howard or Cardassians or the Borg? Because that would be a war crime. <laughs> I guess it would be a war crime, but or I'm the, like, if it's a what then you got? Or the technical, <laughs> the, the 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 technical um requirements to do that. It's sort of like when um, and, and I keep going to Star Wars, and I, I apologize, I keep going on these tangents, but um, when in the Last Jedi, when oh, with the hold on maneuver, and people were like, well, why didn't why hasn't anybody done that before? And so if you look at the, the novelization and you look at the, um, the visual dictionary for The Last Jedi, it actually explains why that, that was an impossible feat for any ship other than the Raddus. And so we may not know what the technical requirements for that sort of thing is, but they, there probably is something, and they'll probably talk about why that wasn't possible until now. And I look forward sure. to that explanation because I'm sort of geeky like that, but... I would like to know the explanation too because that that fight sequence was so badass and I'm like oh, they're cheating but that's so awesome <laughs> and the actress um, I don't have the, the cast list name put up but she's actually a martial artist she took martial arts as a younger person and that makes the fight sequences even better when someone has that skill set already Mr. Briones yes yeah. She took martial arts as a child, and she it just like muscle memory. Girl, when she hit that superhero jump, I was like, "What am I watching?" Because this, this yeah. is not Star Trek. 
when I saw that. Uh, and shout out to her late boyfriend uh, who was a uh, Zahian. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We saw in uh, season one short trick. Yeah, the queen mm-hmm. species is still kicking around. That's great. And then we have trills here and uh, all sorts of like background characters. You see the different alien species and stuff like that. Or the, the, the transporter that Picard walked in through to go to the headquarters. Like, oh, that makes sense. Like, it's a doorway. Right. But I need them to explain just like sometimes with the communicators when they tap, like, how do they know where they're supposed to go? <laughs> Uh, uh, the Admiral didn't have to dress down Picard like that. He had it coming. I love Picard. He had it coming. Right. Yeah, well, I. But it, he can't. I, look, he can't do what he did and expect to get away with it. Look, she wasn't wrong, but I didn't need to see it. <laughs> True. There was a lot of like a base in her, in her dress down of Picard. Ooh. Like, there was more than him just, like, defying Starfleet with the whole Romulan right. thing. Like, he, he really pissed a lot of people. He must have made some people really look bad. Right. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was, that was a butt clinch moment. That was, like, mm-hmm. Picard's a grown-ass man. You can't be, you can't be talking to Picard like that. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're an admiral. I'm not saying that she's wrong. I'm just saying I didn't <laughs> see that. <laughs> hmm And my favorite part was just like, are the Romulus just basically running the universe, really? When we meet the Commodore? That's fascinating. Because because you're from her affect, you're 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 to assume that she's a Vulcan, or at least I assume that she's a Vulcan. I think she is a Vulcan. Which is even more fascinating. Because, again, it ties back to Enterprise, where the Romulans tried to come back to Vulcan in in a kind of infiltration kind of way, but also made deals with, like, the Vulcan High Command. But that storyline was never completed, so you didn't know, were they complete infiltrators, or did they actually made alliances with segments of the of Vulcan society. And not in like a, a Spock unification kind of way, but a, a power yeah. way. Yeah, Com- Commodore O is a uh, Romulan. You Oh, she is a Romulan? Mm-hmm. Okay. I thought maybe she was still Vulcan. Also, she is played by Tamlin Tamila. I know. I love her as an actress. I always love it when I see her. Because, you know, we never really get, like, maybe it's just me not having a super in-depth grasp, grasp of Star Trek, but, like, I never I never um, thought that there was, like, a sure way to, to identify a Romulan from a, a Vulcan. There's very few. Like, if they have the actual, like, ridges, then you know. But there's a lot of Romulans that look exactly like Vulcans. Right. And so, wouldn't they yeah. be able to infiltrate the, the, the Federation? You just pretend to be a Vulcan. Yeah. You know? And there's enough commonality. And I don't think there's a, 
a diver enough divergence of their genetic code where you can't tell the difference. Yeah, like the only it's, it's the Remans. Yeah. Which is a sad case there, what they did there to themselves. Wow. But yeah, uh, wow. So is she officially a Romulan or? According to what I just read, um, they they did basic make her a Romulan. Oh, wow. Okay, because I thought she might still be a Vulcan, and it go went back to the whole Enterprise thing. Okay, well, so again, they're running the universe. They they got that pretty much the head of the army on on Starfleet. They're still it's called the Romulan Free State. Who knows where the, the operatives are? Other places we know they've always had entanglements with the Klingons. Yeah, that that's super interesting because even though they have like the Romulan Free State, that's still like the Romulans are stateless people. Yeah, and someone explained to me that it might be inspired by um, Ireland, like what happened with Ireland, with Ireland being a free state and other free states out there. And I thought that was fascinating because I thought that was more ominous that they're a free Ooh. state <laughs> instead of just in a fire. Oh, man. Y'all gave me some things to think about that I didn't even think about. Oh, this is, oh, man. Yeah. I can't wait to, to go back to watching this show. Yeah, like when all the pieces fall together. And it's only 10 episodes, which I think is a beautiful right. run. Yeah. You didn't get and, No, and we're in the first two episodes and there's so much. Yet we still haven't had the seven and nine or Hugh character drop right. yet. Or the other uh, cast members uh, that are part of the show drop yet. So God knows what mind blowing stuff is going to happen. Yeah. It's this is all just laying down the table for the meal. We haven't gotten to the and meal yet. That's the yet. thing about it. Like the, the Star Trek is it, the the pattern has not changed. Like the first two seasons of 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 any Star Trek, you can still say the first two seasons of any Star Trek show is not the peak of that show. Like Discovery, we've learned that the first two seasons are just a prologue. Like this is when Discovery, like third season is when Discovery actually starts. Which is consistent with the rest of the Star Trek shows. Like once you get to the third season, man, when we get to the third season of look, y'all are getting me excited. <laughs> and they've hinted that they might just go three seasons. Look. Which would be perfect. They almost because it's 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 a contained you know it 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 has a it has a single plot overarching plot and and we know what Picard is getting into this for and yeah three seasons I think will be good because you know that there's a definite endpoint. Mm-hmm. And if it it would be it would be so it would be so perfect and if it's with the way television is done now. It, it would fit with the way Star Trek is. And I think even with all the actors involved, whom, whom all are big names, not just Sir Patrick Stewart, um, it fit with everybody's schedule and stuff like that. So, And you can bring in people that are going to be even bigger names, not just people from STNG or the Star Trek universe who want to guest star on Picard. Right. Oh. I think we've said all that we have yeah, to we say. Yeah, we got to wrap up because I'm just going to get more and more excited. <laughs> all right, so that's 
do it for this episode of um, the, the podcast. We just to recap, we, res- we discussed the short treks and the first two episodes of Star Trek Picard. Um, if you guys have any feedback, please feel free to hit us up on the Facebook page on the MTR network. And until next time, we're out of here. Peace. Peace. Peace.